and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, a the movie review podcast. I thought we'd try to be nice to movies, but sometimes they may need to be sliced and diced. Each and every month there's a thing. As it's February, I'm doing Love Bites, which is my look at werewolf movies. To kick things off, I'm looking at both American werewolf movies. Yes, folks, the 40-year-old John Landis classic and its unfortunate 1997 classic sequel. Sorry, sequel. First up, we have the effects ridden on American Wolf in London. The werewolf transformation to beat all werewolf transformations. John Landis came up with the idea while filming Careless Heroes in 1970 after he saw gypsies bring a man feet first so he wouldn't come back as a werewolf. He wrote the first draft of this movie back in the early 70s. It wasn't until 1971 when he was directing his first feature film, Schlock, which was released in 1973. By the way, that movie is fucking beyond weird. As a Was it a talking gorilla or something like that called Schlock? And it's something about bananas and it's all weird shit. Look it up. Anyway. Which then became a cult movie in its own fucking case. He thought he could do this movie. However, it wasn't until after the success of the Blues Brothers that he indeed had his chance to do his magnus opus. Due to his first draft of the script floating around Hollywood for years and nobody wanted to touch it, he was given $10 million to do this and I just went to Rick Baker who won the very first Oscar for special visual effects for this movie. To create his world, unfortunately, Baker had signed up to do the other cult world movie of 1981, that being The Howling. Ultimately, Baker chose to work on this and be the consultant on The Howling. Landis demanded the world transformation to be done in bright light and done in one take, if indeed possible. So Baker took nine weeks to create The Wolf, and filming took one week. Landis was also given mission to film in Piccadilly Circus by showing 300 policemen a rough cut of the Blues Brothers. So he was granted two nights shooting between the hours of 1 and 4 a.m. Also, traffic could be stopped three times for up to two minutes at a time to do the double-decker busing. And wow... Can would you say this is a bad moon rising then? Here it is, the American Werewolf in London, or an American Werewolf in London, whatever. With its $10 million budget, as I said, this thing pulled in $66 million and a modern werewolf craze was born. Starring David Notting... Nottington? Norton. Norton. No, it's Norton. Mm. David Norton, Griffin Dunn, Jenny Agarter, John Woodvine and Brian Glover. Directed by John Landis at the plot. Two 20-something American college students are on a backpack tour of England. One night, they decide to walk the moors of Yorkshire. Unfortunately, they're attacked by a wolf-like creature. One is killed and the other is bitten. Weeks later, the bitten one wakes up in hospital in London, where he's told he was attacked by a madman. However, his dead best friend comes back in visitations to warn him he is indeed a werewolf. Does he believe his friend? Can he find a cure? Will the doctors find out the truth? Find out here. So after the logos, do we get shots of the moors as Blue Moon plays? And note, this is Hay Bluff in Wales. 
Also, this is that of the on the fucking nose music, as every single song in this this movie has moon and titles. Jesus, jinkies. Anyway, after three minutes of this song and did footage of the beautiful hills and moors, does a truck drop off two men? David Kessler, played by David Norton, and his best friend Jack Goodman, played by Griffin Dunn. Note, uh, before this, David Norton was the face of Dr. Pepper, but was dropped after his nude scenes were done in this movie. This was January or February 1981 and was fucking freezing cold and pissing down with rain. Anyway, these two are on a backpacking trip across Britain. I love the fact that it's a sheep farmer that drops them off. A subtle hunt right there. You know, sheep, uh, was it leading the sheep to slaughter or some shit like that? Anyway, he warns the boys to keep off the moor and stick to the roads. So wait a minute here. The werewolf just won't pick someone off the roads in the pitch fucking darkness. It'll wait till you're on the moors before taking you out. That's a very polite werewolf, that isn't it? <clears throat> Anyway, the boys scoff, walk off into the moors, freezing their asses off. Welcome to Great British Summer, mere boys. Welcome to Great British Bloody World Summer. It's fucking freezing half the bloody world time. As they walk, they talk about their love lives or lack thereof, saying they have three months of doing this and have to enjoy the scenery. Hours later, Crossing the moors, they come across a small pub. They slaughtered a lamb. In the walk, as all the locals just stop and stare at them. Are they local for local people? <laughs> Joke for my British fans there. <clears throat> uh, they take a seat at one of the tables where the unfriendly barmaid comes to them. She is Lila Kane. Kane, rather. She tells them there is no food, only beers and spirits, but she can make some hot tea. Okay then. Surely the fuck a pub must have had tea, coffee, soup, or even bovril on fucking the go. Bullshit, a fucking pub in the middle of Yorkshire Moors doesn't have any fucking hot food or hot tea or coffee uttered bollocks. Moving the fuck right on, in the crowd is Brian Glover as a chess player, Loudmouth. And I know him best as the voice of Tetlati back in the 90s. He's best known for his role in Alien 3, Jim Archives. Also playing him in chess is Rick Mayo, best known for Young Ones, A Bottom and A Drop Dead Fred. Finally is David Schofield as a dap player, best known for The Gladiator. He's the one that complains when David makes him miss a shot. Jack notices a five-pointed star on the wall, but David thinks nothing of it. Yeah mate, because all pubs in Britain have a five fucking pointed star on the wall and an altar under them with candles burning constantly. Oh my god, a fucking pentagram at that for crying out loud. Anyway, <clears throat> Jack makes a joke about the star to the barmaid saying, remember the elbow? So she says, yes, I saw it in London. Brian Glover pipes up. She means the John Wayne movie. She saw it in London back in the God knows what, 60s to 70s, what the fuck it was. He says it's bloody well awful. Suddenly, they're all friendly to the boys until they ask about the star and candles. They are then toss it on their arses, so just stay off the moors and beware the moon. Just then, a thunderstorm rolls in. As leave the pub, the pub debates the fate of the boys, some saying it's murder and others wanting to help. The boys are then lost in the fog as the full moon rises. The rain pours down, so the boys walk off the road onto the moors. 
where minutes later they're attacked by a wolf-like creature. The pub goers save David, but it's too late for Jack. He's torn apart. Part David, however, is only bitten, with the werewolf shot dead. Yes, folks, in Britain we did have guns until the Dublin incident shooting in 1986, and then they were immediately banned. Anyway, like I say, the werewolf is shot dead by the pub goers. David is in a coma, a, co- co- a coma even, and just fucking wakes up days or weeks later in a London hospital. Here we meet Nurse Alex Price, played by Jenny Arderton, who checks him out. In walks another nurse, played by Anne-Marie Davis, who tells him he's an American Jew because she's had a quick look. In walks Dr. Hirsch, played by John Wood, Woodvine, to scold the naughty nurse for looking at the fucking unconscious patient. Hello, love. Fired. After which, he tells Nurse Price the boys were attacked by a madman and left for dead. With that, the doctor dismisses Nurse Price and looks into David's eye and cue the first of many, many, many nightmares of David running through the woods but ass naked. And I love these steady cam shots. It is just so evil dead, dare I say. Dr. Hirsch wakes up David to introduce him to Mr. Collins, played by Frank Oz. He's up from the American Embassy, but he has no bedside manner and just tells David to calm down as David goes completely bug nuts insane when the doctor tells him he is in London also his best friend is dead that's a pretty fucking cool thing to do there doctor mate we're on your bedside manner also mate and Jesus jinkies anyway as I says David goes apeshit so Nurse Price injects him with a tranquilizer and knocks him the fuck right out Dr Hirsch tells him about his injuries, plus he's been there for three weeks, the cover story being a madman attacked and killed Jack while putting David in a coma. Must have been some fucking strong-ass bloody man as he rips Jack's throat clean off. Even with that, he leaves David and Nurse Price. David said it wasn't a man but a wolf before sleeping into unconsciousness. In his office, Dr. Hirsch is interviewed by two cops, Inspector Velers, played by Don McKillop, and Sergeant McManus, played by David Kimber. McManus asks to see David to question him about what the fuck happened during the attack. I mean, these are New Scotland Yard, I think, they're supposed to be, but they seem to not give a fuck what's going on here and what the hell's... I mean, they didn't even listen to David when he talks about how he wasn't attacked by a man, but, but by a wolf. They don't believe him, so they close the case. What the fuck? So, one person has been murdered, and another person was left, left for dead, but the case is closed because reasons? Anyway, once they leave, David tells the doctor again it wasn't a man, but it was some sort of a beast. Cue another nightmare of David running through the woods, but naked, chasing a deer. And note, David Norton was worried about these nude scenes. No, not due to being naked, but the fact he is uncut when he's playing a Jew. So Landis tried his best to keep Norton's penis off screen, but he fails miserably. David catches and kills the deer, tearing into its throat, ripping its throat clean off. And cut to Nurse Pierce doing her rounds. She then checks on David, feigning he has eaten his lunch. 
because it's, it must be the next bloody day. So she feeds him, and boom, they're in love. The fuck? More nightmares of a fully dressed David running through the woods, finding himself in a hospital bed as Nurse per- Price rather, checks on him. He opens his eyes. They are wolf eyes, along with large wolf-like teeth. Kidding! And note, these contact lenses were made of glass and were so uncomfortable, Norton could barely see it with the fucking things and hated wearing them. Next day, David tells the doctor his nightmares are unpleasant. But the doctor doesn't give two fucks and just says our nightmares deal with it. David then tells him it wasn't a man, but it was a beast. Again, the doctor doesn't want to fucking listen because the doctor's a fucking twat. I mean, Jesus Christ, mate. Listen to your fucking patient. Telling David his wounds were cleaned and indeed dressed long before he arrived at the hospital. So just how long was he lying in a fucking moors for? I should think so, for fuck's sake. It's 176 miles between Yorkshire and fucking London. Oh my god, David asked that the police check out the slaughtered lamb. Dr. Hirsch says nope, and is now on the case. Finally! Although he's a fucking doctor working in a hospital, would he have time to check out David's fucking story? Moving the fuck right on. Cut to Nurse Price babysitting David as he sleeps. David wakes up and hits on Alex. She reads him a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court as he falls asleep. Fade to the Muppets. Nope, it's yet another nightmare. This time of Nazi werewolf killing David's family. What in the actual fuck? And note, Rick Baker is the one that slits David's throats. I've got to say, these Nazi, these Nazi werewolf masks look like fucking shit. They're cheap rubber masks. Anyway, David wakes up to tell Nurse Price he's had a nightmare. So she opens the curtains. Psych! It's another nightmare! As a werewolf scuts her and slices her up to pieces, with David screaming. He wakes himself up from this one, but he's now in reality, so he's now fine. Okay then, orderly walks in with his breakfast of a full English and a cup of tea, and here David has his first vision of undead Jack, who tells him he is cursed with the earth undead, until David kills himself, as he is now a werewolf. David doesn't believe him, as he thinks he is either asleep or completely insane. And I love the torn neck, shredded skin look of Jack here. The makeup here is top bloody well notch. Well done, um, Rick Baker. So David then calls for a nurse, so and runs Alex to find David all but crawling up the walls, crying for help. He kisses her and then tells her he's a werewolf. Then he tells her he's seeing his dead best friend who tells him to kill himself. Uh, she doesn't be a fucking well eye, and tells him he's going to discharge soon. What in the actual fuck? Hello, love. Psych evaluation for him. He's clearly got PTS fucking D. But nope. She takes him home and fucks him. What the fuck? Oh, my bloody well God. As I said, she takes him home. Saying her pay can't get him up with the price of living. Yet she's living in a fucking huge posh ass flat in central London. Bullshit! In reality, she would be in a small one bedroom flat with a two bar fire and a shared fucking bathroom. Not this fucking huge ass fucking flat she stays in for crying out loud. I mean, a nurse's pay in 1980 was five grand max. 
There is no way in hell she could afford this flat in Earl's Court. The house alone was worth 50 grand in 1979 fucking money. So there's no chance in hell she could afford this gigantic fucking house. Moving the fuck right on, she shows him her flat is all charming and very lovely and cosy. Not to mention bloody well fucking huge. He says to her, there's only one bed, where can he sleep? So she tells him she's not in the habit of bringing back charming, handsome, strange American men to her home. I should think not, love. She then tells him in great details about her past lovers. What the actual fuck? Why? She going into great detail about all the sex she's had. Is it because he's American and he's a cut Jew? Therefore, she wants to fuck him to find out what it's like to have sex with a, with a cut dick. I mean, what the fuck is this thing? Or is it in fact he is cute? And she wants to fuck him? What the hell is going on here? Oh my god, or even worse, it's to piss off daddy. Because he's Jewish and she's, I'm guessing, Christian or Catholic at the least. I mean, who the fuck knows? This movie is... Mm. Anyway, she has sex with him in the shower to Moondance. Really love, you know, this guy for less than fucking three days. And he tells you he thinks he's a fucking werewolf. Also, he says... He sees dead people who tells him to kill himself, but yeah, love, you get that D for this fucking movie. It is so... What the fuck? After a night of sex, David wakes up late at night to go to the bathroom where he sees Jack in the mirror. Looking a lot greener and now even more nasty looking. Demanding David kill himself before it's too late. David doesn't want to listen. As he doesn't want to believe he's talking to Jack, he still thinks he's asleep. Alex hears David shouting at Jack, so wakes up to find him alone, but never mind that. It's back to bed for this crazy man, she needs that crazy ass dick. Back in bed, he tells her he's seen Jack. And indeed, he thinks he's a werewolf. Okay then. He then asks if she's seen the wolfman starring Lon Cheney Jr., Bella Lugosi and Claude Rains, where Lugosi bites Cheney Jr., Turning into a werewolf, and it's down to Claude Rains as his father to kill him, saying only someone who loves the wolf can kill the wolf. Yet he's killed by armed police later on in the movie. She laughs it off. God, he must be great in bed or fucking young like a fucking donkey. I wish she's in this guy out of bed. This guy is fucking bug nuts insane. But yeah, love, you get that, that cut dick. Oh my god. Cut to the next day, as the good doctor is checking out David's story, as he traces his tracks to the slaughtered lamb pub. No one inside wants to help, as outside the dart player, played by David Schofield, tells the good Dr. Hirsch the truth that David was indeed attacked by a werewolf. So back to Alex and David, as she leaves for work, she leaves him alone in the flat, but he's locked out, so must break in. And I love the fact that all the dogs and cats sense he is a wolf and hiss or growl at him. Anyway, once inside, he checks himself out in a mirror to check out if he has canine teeth. He then sits down to watch TV. And I'm loving the cheesy ass news of the world newspaper advert on TV with the sleazy chick banging about her sex life in great, disgusting, sordid detail. So this means he's going to change on a Sunday then if the TV says it's coming tomorrow, because the news world was a Sunday paper. Anyway, cue A Bad Moon Rising by Credence Clearwater Revival. 
And I swear to God, this song sticks in my head for fucking weeks on end. I will be hearing... As I said, I have that fucking A-Roll song stuck in my bloody head for fucking weeks now. Uh, now where was I? La da 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 da. Where the fuck was I? Oh yes, David ponders around around the flat. Meanwhile, back in hospital that night, Alex continues her rounds. The blue moon has arisen. Cute, possibly the greatest werewolf transformation on film. As David painfully turns into a werewolf. In fact, this might be the only to watch this movie. As this movie is kind of eh, to be honest. David tears off his clothes, screaming in pain. He's burning up. Then his hand stretches out and is coated in fur with David screaming in agony. And what the fuck's neighbours? Surely the fuck neighbours be at the door, banging on the bloody door and moving on. Next, David falls to his knees. As his feet extend, he's covered in more fur as he changes into a wolf. And note... As I said, this was shot over one week, with each limb being two days of filming. So now on all fours, David's spine pops out, as he is now completely covered in fur. Finally, his face changes into a wolf snout, as his eyes turn yellow, with David screaming in utter agony as this happens. A note, this scared slash impressed Michael Jackson so much, he hired John Landis to film Thriller, and so music videos were changed forever. Now out, the werewolf David kills a yuppie couple, and I'm shocked at the black hackney taxi only charged £1.50. It's about four fifty. as soon as your ass hits the fucking seat today for crying out loud, I mean Jesus jinkies. Finally, Dr Hirsch returns looking for Alex to the hospital looking for Alex he tells her she's in grave danger so she calls a flat but David is out for dinner here Dr Hirsch tells her David's wounds were dressed and cleaned weeks before he arrived where no doctor was supposed to have seen him back in Yorkshire so something is up also the push reports have mysteriously gone and missing the good doctor then continues, he thinks David is a werewolf, or at least he thinks he is a werewolf and may indeed harm himself or indeed other people. Cut to werewolf David stalking bums at a junkyard next to the London Bridge. Cut to the subway as werewolf David stalks a poor happily yuppie at Tottenham Court Station. He chases him through the empty station before eating him on the escalators. i got to say, I'm loving the posters for Aeroplane. And the fake movie that's in every one of Landis's movies. See you next Wednesday. Although, should I be seeing next Tuesday? Would that be too rude? Hmm. Although, there is a few Wendy's Burgers posters. And there is no Wendy's in Great Britain to date. Moving the fuck right on. Next morning, in London Zoo, David wakes up naked in the wolf enclosure. And note, the wolf that comes over to sniff David Nottington's crotch was a real untamed wolf. Yeah, fuck that, mate. Get the fuck out of there in seconds. I mean, Jesus Christ, he is completely bulk naked. 
and he has an untamed wolf sniffing at his dick. Yeah, I got it on 8.7 milliseconds myself. Anyway, David has no choice but to run around naked in London Zoo, all the way to Earl's Court. That's 23 miles. And note, it is not against the law to be naked in public in Britain, unless of course you are aroused or someone takes offence. And I've got to say, David Norton had a nice body back in the 80s. Hello. <coughs> Moving on, you pervy little twat. <coughs> Cut to Dr. Hirsch reading the newspapers all about where David's night. God, that was quick. Less than, what was it, six or seven hours and it's all over the papers. David steals a woman's coat and then makes his way back to the flat via a bus. How the fuck's he got money to pay for this thing? Moving on. Where David enters the flats, how the fuck did he get in? He is butt naked with no keys, only wearing a red woman's wool coat, which he stole, as I said earlier. He then tells Alex he woke up naked at the London Zoo. She doesn't even fucking bat an eye. What the fuck, love? So the good doctor calls... But all Alex said is he's fine. He's woken up at the zoo, but naked, and there's no cause for concern. Who the fuck wrote this? Doctor then tells her to bring David to him, but David is too busy trying to dry hump her for her to give a shit. Who the fuck wrote this? She jumps in a taxi, trying to keep him at bay, as he is all over her, guessing the fucking wolf hormones have kicked in then. It's here the cabbie tells them about the six people that were murdered the night before. So David runs out the taxi, aspirated by a cop, with Alex trying to get him back to the hospital. The cop David runs over to doesn't give two fucks, as David screams, the Queen is a man, Churchill was full of shit, etc, etc. Even after all of this shit, he still doesn't get bloody well arrested. I mean, for fuck's sake, what is he going to do to get arrested? And... Alex still wants him. Who the fuck wrote this? David then just runs off. As back to the good doctor and the useless Scotland Yard cops. Here he tells the doctor that David is a werewolf. Okay then. And this new Scotland Yard cop is fucking useless. Saying there is no connection to David and indeed the killings. Apart from the fact he woke up naked at fucking London Zoo. Oh my god. Also, why the fuck isn't anybody listening to him? He's a fucking werewolf. Jesus, jinkies. I gotta say something. This ending falls to fucking pieces. Maybe all you do need to see is the fucking werewolf transformation. Because the rest of this movie is kind of eh. And just falls off the fucking rails and crashes into a pile of shit towards the end. Jesus Christ. In Piccadilly Circus, David uses a phone box to call home, reversing the charges, but no one's home. That must have cost a fucking fortune. He then argues with his 10-year-old sister about how she's left home alone at 10. Is this supposed to be funny? Because it's fucking well not. David tells her to tell his parents he loves them, and indeed he loves her and these other brother, his other brother, other. He then hangs up. With that, he tries to cut his wrist, but he can't do it. He then spots Zombie Jack pointing to a porno theatre. So and he goes to find all his victims, all undead of course, demanding him to kill himself. And this robotic Jack looks like shit. Animatronic Jack dummy looks like fucking shit. Does she know how to animatronic dummy? She'll put him in decent makeup. And okay, I know this porno cinema or theatre only has three men in it 
but I've never knew they actually showed porn in British cinemas but moving on but David is sitting there talking aloud to no one yet not one person tells him to shut the fuck up anyway all the undead victims all bicker as to how David should die with one telling him to shoot himself David asks what about silver bullets Jack points out the other guy died with relative ease or no silver bullets needed so bullets, silver bullets is a bullshit thing Enemy, later at night, as the moon rises, David changes into a werewolf in the porno theatre, killing all inside, as where David runs out to run amok in Trafalgar Square. The cops run in to find the bodies that where David had eaten, as dozens of more cops swarm the porno cinema, trying to keep the beast inside. But it's no good, he breaks free and is on the loose. Running wild, it causes a double-decker bus to crash and cause a pile-up. And note, the bus driver is James Bond stunt guru Vic Armstrong. I gotta say, this pile-up is a fucking mess with people dying left and right as a animatronic werewolf walks on all fours. Well, the front of it anyway, the back of it was like shit. I mean, Jesus Christ. You can actually see Rick Baker controlling the back legs. I mean, hmm... And I've got to say, this ending is a fucking mess. The good Doctor and Alex run to Trafalgar Square to see the chaos, because somehow they hear about the fucking chaos. As where David is trapped down a dead-end alleyway, Alex then to tell it she loves it, but the werewolf part of him launches at her as armed police shoot and kill him dead as credits roll. So, that was American Wolf in London. To be honest, this isn't as great as people say. Sure, the world of transformation scene is brilliant, but this story is boring and too unreal to be taken as a good story. I mean, a nurse falls for a patient who may or may not be insane because he's cut. The police aren't interested in the case. No one believes David. The good doctor goes all out to investigate the Yorkshire town covering up everything else? Yeah, just no. Plus that ending is all over the fucking place. However, that werewolf transformation. Hmm. Is that all you need to see if this movie is that werewolf transformation? I'm going to say yes, but it is so good and the practical effects are great. I'm going to give this thing a uber generous 8 out of 10. You stay right there for American Wolf in Paris, the unfortunate sequel that came out 17 years later. So here we have it, the movie no one asked for. This was actually an idea that John Landis has while filming in London, that someone in Jack's past would fly to London to investigate him and David's death. However, the studio didn't want to know, so Landis left, finally saying when they had to pay to get the name rights. So just send me the check. I don't give a fuck. I'll see when it comes out. When he did finally see it, he thought this thing was fucking lousy. So there we have that one then. And I unfortunately saw this turkey in the cinema back in 1997. Yes, folks, in Britain. It was released in Halloween 1997. And I saw this in a half full cinema. And people laughed at the terrible CGI werewolves. That's all I fucking remember is the terrible CGI werewolves. And people howling with laughter. Pardon the pun. So, with two leads that were only there because one had to pay rent. Julie Dipley. Or Depley. That's her fucking name. And the other because he had never been in Europe. Tom Everett Scott. Is it any wonder this is as lame as it fucking is? 
Anyway, strap on those 90s nostalgia glasses and board the plane to Paris. Here it is, an American werewolf in Paris. With its $25 million budget, this thing pulled in a meagre $26.5 million. God. Starring Tom Everett Scott, Julie Dipley, Vincent Velouve, Phil Buckman and Julie Bowman. Directed by Anthony Waller. Or Walker? Is it Walker? Whatever. Waller. The plot. The love child of David and Alex is now living in France. She's now a teenager. Her stepfather is looking for a cure when one night he is killed. Two nights later, the daughter throws herself off the Eiffel Tower in hopes of killing the wolf inside. Too bad a trio of American daredevils are there who just so happen to be bungee jumping to save her. One is bitten and now he's in love and trouble as the werewolf society is hunting them down. The fuck? Just how much more howling at the moon crazy does this thing get? Find out here! So the movie opens up on the Eiffel Tower, all lit up like a Christmas tree, as OTT woman-like music kicks in. So does a thunderstorm as it rolls in. In the bowels of an old church do we see a scientist escape a trap door. He's chased down by an unseen monster and dragged into a sewer to be killed off screen. Cut to three American students, college students. Why am I getting a Eurotrip or worse hostel here? Hmm. As they're on a backpacking trip across Europe. They are Andy, put by Tom Ed. Everett Scott, Chris, played by Phil Buckman, and Brad, played by Vince Velouve. I think I pronounced his name. They're totaling up their points they have done on their, quote, Daredevil Tour of Europe, 1997. I love the t-shirts they have. The t-shirts are fucking fantastic. Cheesy as fuck, but they all perv on a lone female blonde passenger. So, is this the toxic masculinity I've heard everything about for fucking months, if not years on end? Or is these just douchebois being dickheads. As Chris is a go at Andy because he quote he hasn't scored this whole trip. However Andy's comeback is it's not about sex, it's about love with him. Also when he, they get to Paris he'll show them a stunt they will never top. Okay then. We are less than four minutes in. Is it wrong? I want these all to be dead and indeed turn into two toys for werewolves. That night in Paris at the Eiffel Tower as it closes down, does Andy and company come out of the little hiding place and climb to the tippy top as crappy ass late 90s soft rock plays? God, that song's terrible. And my god, the fashion. Combat pants, muscle vests, baggy jeans, chokers, and that's just the bloody well men. I mean, this movie has it all. God almighty, the hideous fashion of the 90s, late 90s. Find out at the top, it's a full moon. Andy pulls out his backpack a bungee rope and prepares to jump, as you do. This Eiffel Tower set looks cheap! Plus the blue screen effects look beyond fucking atrocious, my god. <coughs> Suddenly out of the shadows steps Seraphine, played by Julie Depley. And boom, Andy is in love! She looks up to the moon with tears in her eyes as she leaps off the tower. Andy leaps up, leaps after her. Not realising the rope isn't tied, Andy catches her, however she bites him, and he has to let her go. Calm the fuck down, radical 90s. I get it, Bungie was huge. Money jumping all was huge, but really? Also, you're telling me 
two drunk frat bros could hold the weight of Andy and Seraphine. Plus that rope wouldn't fucking snap. Don't you have to have calculated weight for the bungee up to actually work? But moving the fuck right on. Hold on a second here. She doesn't bite him. He places her gently on the ground before the rope pulls him back up. As in great speed, he whacks his head off one of the girders of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, he did. I can fuck this movie said he did. Nope. He wakes up in hospital perfectly fine with Dumb and Dumber around him. Bullshit, he'd be fucking dead. The speed and the velocity he hit that girder, he did. He has her shoe, so he must hunt her down. Okay, who wrote this crap? What is this fucking Cinderella? He then, Andy then sends Twiddle Dumb and Twiddle Dumber to hunt down for her suicide note which she left behind. Yeah, because hours later it would still be there. But all Beast Boy had to do is perv on girls and annoyed tourists. As back with Andy, who is dazed and confused in hospital, would you know it, she's there working as a nurse, just like mother I'm supposing. So he follows her, finding her in a hallway carrying a heart in a plastic bag, as you do. Andy is knocked to the ground by a doctor who is mad that she stole his heart for a heart transplant just then, dumb and dumbest, Come in with her notes. What the fuck? Cut to a cottage where Andy has tracked her down. How? I mean, last we saw him, he was wearing one of the bloody hospital robe things with a comical fucking bandage around his head and he was completely dazed, if not fucking concussed. Anyway, she opens the door to him so he hands her her shoe back. He notices she has blood on her hands, so he thinks she has harmed herself yet again. Okay, first up, how the fuck did he get to hospital? How did he track down this address? It's a suicide, not a fucking business card. How in the fuck does he have no injuries? God, this is fucking awfully written. It gets worse. This is the same fucking day he woke up in hospital. Anyway, he demands to be let in. As he thinks it's blood on her hands, she says, no, it's paint, so she doesn't want to fuck off. He demands a date, which she says yes to. Who the fuck wrote this shit? Next day, Dumb and Dumber dress Andy as a atypical American. Letterman jacket, baseball cap, the works. Then stuffs condoms in his pockets. Seraphine arrives on her bicycle and takes him to a cafe. Andy acts like a total fool around her. Choking on coffee, uh, pulling out the condoms, which he says are bubblegum, and then acts like an awkward dork. God, you start with edges, dork, my god. Is this supposed to be charming and or funny? Because it's fucking not. She makes him blow a bubble using the condom because he says it's bubblegum. Funny, right? It flies out of his mouth and lands on someone's soup. Again, hilarious, right? Anywho, this causes a bar fight, which Seraphine finishes in seconds by throwing the muscle guy clean across the cafe using her wolf-like strength. Andy chases after her, confesses his love, she takes pity on him wiping the blood from his nose, and then the two kiss. Who the fuck wrote this shit? With that, she tells him she doesn't want to see him again, it is not safe, and then speeds off on her bicycle. Uh, mate, take the hint, she doesn't fucking want you. But nope, that night he and his mates return to the cottage 
Take the fucking hint, mate. Jesus, Jinkies, she is not fucking interested. But she isn't there. Her brother is. This is Claude, played by Pierre Cozzo, who tells them she isn't there, but she's at a special moonlight party and indeed hands them all a flyer, telling them to be there at midnight. She'll be waiting. And these fucking idiots show up. It's a run-down old fucking abandoned factory. Red flag, hello. But no, these fucking knuckleheads walk in like a fucking idiot. Like a fucking moth to a flame. As behind them, the bouncer locks the doors using a huge plank of wood. Inside, the post like shit with homeless people pissing everywhere. Graffiti all over the fucking walls. No lights, only candlelit. And junkies all over the place fucking doing drugs. So, perfect for a rave then. Claude comes out to tell them, uh, thank you for coming, and tell them that Seraphine is around. This spooks Chris, uh, who heads back to the cottage where he's kidnapped, stuck in a cage after finding Seraphine locked in a cage. He then tells her Andy is at Claude's party, so he unlocks her. However, she knocks him out and knocks him in. As she runs off into the night at the party, Andy and Brad do weird green shots, which I'm guessing is apple sewers. I love that stuff, even though it tastes like shit. I guess she fucking hammered. Well, it doesn't get hammered, it's only, was it, 13% or something ridiculous like that, but it gives you a kind of a headache. And moving on, Chris wakes up to f find the key to the cage clean across the road, so he strips off to get it. Shame, not totally naked. That might have actually saved this fucking movie. After all, David was hunting deer naked by this time in the first one, for fuck's sake. Dear about nudity, you fucking prude. Bloody American nudity for crying out loud. <coughs> Moving on. Seraphine arrives at the rave and demands to be let in, which the Bowser does. And she hunts down Andy as Claude and his wolf gang psych themselves up and transform into the werewolves and hunt and feast on their poor Americans inside. Seraphine takes Andy down tunnels. Claude spots this and follows closely behind is Brad. Meanwhile, back with the now free dressed Chris, he finds the doctor from the start of the movie hooked up to a heart monitor and a respirator, uh, respirator, a fucking breathing machine. He is Dr. Pigot, played by Terry Hermit? Hermitine? I think I pronounced his name. He is Seraphine's stepfather. Somehow he is legless and strapped to the bed. As back with Seraphine, she tells Andy to run for it as she starts to transform into a werewolf. But this horny twat just stands there and kisses her. Now transformed, she is on his scent. And this guy's such a fucking bellend, he doesn't run after she has yellow fucking eyes. Her voice has deepened. And she's throwing bricks at him. Just fucking die already. Oh, he kissed about as if Claude is her boyfriend. Talk about a fucking dumbass American. Meanwhile, upstairs, Claude's wolf pack all change and hunt down Americans left and right. As down the tunnels, Seraphine has now turned into her werewolf form. And dear God, this transformation looks like shit. It's cheap. Late 90s CGI and a wolf looks plastic. In the rave chaos, our people are on a the run. There looks like people dressed in 
actual practical werewolf suits. Why the fuck is the strobe lighting showing, not showing off these suits? These suits look quite good here. Anyway, people are dying left and right as the bouncer will not open the, the door. So, teehee there. Back to Chris, he finds Seraphine's stepfather is a legless werewolf, which lunges at him, but he escapes with relative ease, running into the night, leaving his Letterman jacket behind. A note, Phil Buckman hated that jacket, so demanded to take it off and leaving it at the cottage. Anyway, back to Brad, as he has his body ripped to shreds and dumped into a river. Andy is next as Seraphine uses her wolf senses, including yellow vision, to track him down and bite him. God, the CGI was like shit. Why not use the fucking practical suits already? Next morning, Andy wakes up in bed in the cottage, as in the kitchen, Seraphine is making a heart smoothie. Yummy. As outside, Chris sees this and tries to warn Andy by throwing rocks up at the window. But Andy doesn't want to listen as Seraphine comes in with the smoothie, checks out his wound on his foot, then shows her boobs to him before telling him she's a werewolf. It's a nightmare, however, or is it a daydream? As a real Seraphine walks in, finding him fondling the air. This time, she flashes her boobs to him and turns to a werewolf. Is this still a dream? What the fuck is happening here? Hey, moving on, I have a theory about this fucking movie. When Andy dived off the Eiffel Tower, he saved her, but he banged his head and was put into a coma. And this entire movie is all one big dream as he is dying. Anyway, suddenly a voice is heard, which is supposed to be Alex, yet sounds nothing like her. This is Isabel Constantine. Uh, warning Seraphine to be careful, she doesn't want another clod on their hands. Andy sees in the mirror, Alex is undead and is torn to pieces. What the fuck? Andy is so spooked for this, he leaks out the bedroom window and runs for it. This is the second floor bedroom window, Barry. He runs past some guy who's walking his dog in just his boxer shorts. Chris then has to follow, but is then kidnapped by Claude. Andy returns to the rave site, finding the police fingerprinting, chewed off arms, and various other body parts are put alongside those dozens of chewed off arms and legs and those bits of head lying over the label place. Anyway, the lead cop is Inspector Der Leduc, rather, played by Tom November. November? Or November, perhaps his fucking name. Who spots Andy just as he sees Brad's dead body being pulled from the river. At the police station, Andy is questioned by Chief Bonnet, played by Maria Bachelado, I think I pronounced her name. As to what the fuck happened, but she doesn't want to believe Andy's story, thinking he's high on drugs. So, she gets Detective Boo, played by Ben Salem Bodal. I had to press his fucking name, Bodal. Bodadala? Fucking hell, fucking look it up yourself. To tell him. But he's awful at his job, think Inspector Cluzo. Cut to Andy on a bridge. As a dog crashed to dry hump him with the stupid detective following him. What the fuck is this shit? God, these jokes are fucking lame. Also, shouldn't the dog be growling and not have fucking dry humping his legs? That evening at a cafe, Andy is filling his face with extra raw steaks. A girl walks in and Andy's wolf sense is kicking as he can smell her clean across the room. Please don't be a fucking period joke for love of god, that's disgusting. 
and he all but dry humps her then and there at the bloody well bar. What the fuck? She is Amy, played by Julie Bowen, a fellow American on holiday in Paris. The two clap eyes at each other, and boom, he's in lust. The two sit down for dinner, yeah, because a guy covered in steak grease and blood is a hot date, plus he's acting fucking beyond weird. Never mind that shit. Andy heads to the toilet, where he sees Brad's dead body in a mirror, who, much like an original, tells him he is undead. Also, Andy is a werewolf, but he doesn't believe him. Why would you believe him, you fucking idiot? Later, back to the detective, who is following Andy and Amy to a graveyard, where he turns into a werewolf and eats them both, after they start to have sex on Jim Morrison's grave. The fuck? Andy's transformation is off screen, as he dives into a water fountain to cool down. Then up pops a soaking wet CGI werewolf, and my god, if I thought the dry one looked like plastic, this one looks fucking worse. It chases down Amy and eats her, then the detective and his little dog. Next morning, Andy wakes up naked next to the dead dog, which is possibly the worst stuffed fake dog I've ever fucking seen. He is surrounded by tourists who is taking pictures of him completely butt naked. What the fuck? The police then arrest him and he's still butt naked. Cut to the morgue hours later as Inspector Deluc- uh, Leduc even shows Andy Detective Boo- Bow, I pronounce his fucking name, and Andy's ripped to shreds dead bodies. After then, that, he just leaves him alone. She comes back to life and she and Chris bicker about who will kill Andy first, because that's hilarious, right? Andy escapes somehow, so now in the streets he is having a full argument with both Brad and Amy over how he will die. Also, now that Andy is a werewolf, Brad tells him the only way to become human again is to kill the werewolf that bit him. Andy refuses to do so, cut to scenes of Amy trying to kill him by making him walk in front of a bus. What the fuck? With the two annoying undead fiends arguing about how Andy should die, Andy is then kidnapped by Claude's wolf pack. They take him to a rundown church, then Claude explains him and his wolf pack would, quote, purify the earth of all humans only having werewolves run everything. Something about a secret society of werewolves that are sick and tired of the world keeping the fat, stupid, lazy and ill alive. They are fucking useless. They want them all dead to purify the earth and indeed purify humanity. Also something about one runaway to Britain and they may have created Seraphine. God, just fucking stop already. This movie is beyond fucking terrible. First, they change the gender of the lead standard sequel shit. Then they tried to say Seraphine is Alex and David's love child. Fair enough. But she clearly isn't 17. She looks about fucking 28 in this movie. Now they're saying David was up to give this world society the perfect leader, i.e. in Seraphine. What in the actual fuck? Just fucking stop. Also, it is said earlier in the movie that Claude was a mistake made by a horny Seraphine. He does not lead the fucking werewolf society, so just fucking stop already, Jesus Christ. It gets worse. In the basement of this church, 
Claude tells him, Andy that is, he was a mistake, but he'll let him join if he eats Chrissy's heart. Who she ended up in the basement of the church, as you do. Claude throws Andy a huge knife, telling him to cut out Chrissy's heart. When Andy refuses, he is then beaten up as Claude's men attack Andy. He somehow runs for it, straight to Seraphine, who is handily waiting from at the church under which there's a river. What? the fuck? Who wrote this tripe? She takes him back to the cottage once she sets fire to the church basement, that is. Here, she tells him her stepfather tried to cure her, but the World Society had him killed before this happened. Now, he's a legless werewolf, but he still has the cure written down. All she needs to do is to mix it correctly. The fuck? And a refuse refuses, uh, telling her he needs her to rescue Chris first before he mixes a cure to change her back to human. Wait, you're trying to say to me what this doctor guy from the start of the movie was her stepfather and indeed he has a cure but the first time he mixed it up it transferred into a wolf and she ate him and indeed her mother. Now Claude has what the fuck? Claude is somehow mixed up with the werewolf society been there for decades and or centuries even. What the fuck? This movie is a fucking mess. Just stop already. You're just getting washed by every fucking scene. She then sees he is hurt, so patched him up, and the two start to have sex. Claude bursts in just as they were getting hot and heavy. So Andy runs for it as Seraphine stops Claude from killing him. All scored to some fucking truly awful late 90s soft rock. Andy runs for it, the wolf pack gives chase, but Amy tries to get him to find Andy's hiding place behind a car. She tries to wolf whistle, but ends up blowing her eyeball out, her eyeball out because that's funny, right? Andy steals a car, crashes it, causes a multi-car, a multi-car pile-up, so runs as French people give him chase because it's hilarious, right? Andy gets on board the back of a bus to escape and note Tom Everett Scott did all his own stunts during this one he broke his finger hence why in the morgue scene he has a splint on his finger anyway Andy returns to see Seraphine as her stepfather dies in front of her so he consoles her Andy then notices the stepfather's notes on a blackboard so finds out the cure can make a werewolf transform at will Claude has stolen all the cure and wants to throw another rave back at the church. So cut to that night. It's the 4th of July. Who the fuck knew? Dozens of Americans are inside partying. So Claude's wolf pack come up from the basement all dressed in monk's robes as Inspector Leduc. Men all try to stop the rave from happening. They're either eaten by Claude's wolf or they're killed off screen. Seraphine sneaks up the church walls, killing the bouncer down below with a gargoyle to the head. As Chris is brought up from the basement, he is tied to a cross. The fuck, this bit goes nowhere. It's utter chaos as Claude's wolf pack killing people left and right. Seraphine unblocks the church's door as they all escape. By the way, the doors were barricaded by a fucking bulldozer. Andy gives chase to Claude down to the basement, armed with a gun. 
Andy shoots and kills one random wolf, which just happens to be the one that killed Brad as he floats to heaven. The fuck? In the basement, Andy and Seraphine split up, but it's too late for Inspector De Le Duc. As Claude chases him, he falls into rubber below. The fuck? Useless. In the tunnels, Andy is now lost. Claude eats the chief of police because she's down there with about 52,000 police officers, but they're all eating. Seraphine fires a gun at him, but it's empty, so she is given chase by Claude. Not to worry, but she finds the cure. So injects herself with it and hunts down Claude in her wolf form. As these two piss poor CGI monsters rip into each other, Andy stumbles upon the fight, shoots and kills Seraphine, who won the fight against the werewolf. He finds her and she begs for him to put her out of her misery. He fails to say so as cops chase him away, firing wildly at him. Andy is then attacked by another werewolf. Uh, Spooky falls down a chute. Somehow there's a tunnel that leads onto wer uh, subway tracks where a train comes over and runs over the werewolf. It doesn't kill the wolf as it boards the train from behind, from the back rather. Andy jumps on board to face off against it. Seraphine is taken away in an ambulance where she dies. Meanwhile, Andy kills a naked Claude after Andy is injected by the cure. Handily, he's the one that bit Andy and not Seraphine. Suddenly, Seraphine comes back to life in the ambulance, telling the EMT she loves Andy. The fuck? Seven months later, Andy and she are married as leap off the statue of with bungee ropes as credits roll and god should us bag dog, dog be put down lame ass jokes terrible cgi confusing fucking storylines just bad all round avoid this turkey all fucking cost this is a one out of ten still come back next week as i look at stephen king's silver bullet and don't forget to like share comment and subscribe also follow me on twitter at here's a johnny's a pod Check out my other horror franchise podcasts of Underworld, Resident Evil, Aliens and more. Also my solo podcast of Blade, Dracula, Child's Play and many, many more. Eh, bye. And remember, I watched these bad movies you don't have to. Now I'm off to put this bad wolf down for good. Where's my silver bullets?